I'm teaching on a subject I've entitled Soul Winning the Heartbeat of God. Soul Winning the Heartbeat of God. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandments. Hallelujah. Now, this is talking about times um, and seasons. And the Bible talks about the, the children of Issachar. The Bible says that they were men of understanding of the times. Hallelujah. We are not talking about understanding of um, business and understanding in medicine and understanding in commerce and governance. We are talking about understanding of the times. And I believe that this is a superior understanding because if you have understanding of the times, it means that God has given you a certain insight to know what is happening in the realm of the spirit. The Bible said because of their understanding of the times, they knew what Israel ought to do. And that means that that superior understanding gives direction to the people of God. Israel means the people of God. And so in our time, God is raising people with understanding of the times so that they would direct the church in a particular direction. Are you here with me at all? And, and, and Pastor Elvis such is one of those men whom God has raised with understanding of the times. And so understanding of the times comes with a particular activity. If you ask me what time it is in the realm of the spirit, I'll tell you that in this time we are in the last days. Hallelujah. And very soon the rapture will happen, the trumpet will blow, and Jesus will appear in the skies. These are things that we don't hear often, but that is the reason reality of the times. Any person who is in tune with God knows that very soon Jesus is coming for a church without spot and wrinkle. Therefore, if we have understanding of such a time, what do we have to do as a church? I believe that the greatest activity or endeavor that the church needs to engage in is the, is the activity of evangelism and soul winning. We need to win souls like never before in this generation and in this day and age. Uh, the Bible talks about the fact that when you understand the times, you know what you ought to do. Hallelujah. And the church of Jesus Christ must rise up and win souls. The church of Jesus Christ must rise up and evangelize the world. There are many people who do not know Christ. There are many people who are perishing and dying and going to hell. There are many people that need somebody to preach the gospel to. And without the preaching of the gospel, people cannot be saved. We cannot be the church of Jesus Christ when we are only interested in gathering for ourselves. When others are perishing out there. Are you here with me at all? And that is why God is prompting us through this message that it is time to move out there and win souls. I'm, I'm still sharing on soul winning the heartbeat of God. In Mark chapter 8 verses 31, something interesting happened that I would like to share with you. I don't know whether I can come down because I would like to pace and, 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 and share the gospel. And so in Mark chapter 8 verse 31, 
I'll share with you something the Holy Spirit shared with me. And I believe that you will be blessed by this. In Mark chapter 8 verse 31, because of time we will not read much. The Bible said, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 37. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Put your right hand on your chest. Say this after me. Say, God, speak to me. Say, Lord, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me in Jesus' name. Jesus was having a church service. The Bible says in the church service, there were disciples. And then there were a crowd. Can I please get someone playing on the keyboard? There was a crowd and his disciples. That was the service. And then he began to teach. As he began to teach, the Bible says that the subject matter changed from what they were used to. And Jesus began to teach a subject that had words like rejection and words like suffering and words like killing. And the Bible said, he said, I will die. And after three days, I will rise again. In, in, in 32 of Mark chapter 8, the Bible says that suddenly Peter got up and interrupted the church service. So it's as if I am preaching this way and then all of a sudden I talk about how I am going to suffer and how I am going to be rejected and how all of a sudden I'm going to die and the people that love me and love my ministry and the people that have gathered because of what they have seen in my ministry. One of them rises up in the middle of the service. And then interrupts the service and pulls me aside. And Peter began to speak to Jesus. And he said, Master, look at all the people that have gathered. How can you speak like that? How can you use words like that? Don't you know that the people will go away? 
And he began to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus, seeing that the people were following what Peter was doing, he turned to the people in verses 33. And then he said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. And this is the part that really shook me. 33. He said, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. For the first time, Jesus called a congregant Satan. Not just an ordinary congregant, but one that was so dear to him, one that was so close to him. He called him Satan. The question is, what necessitated that title or that tag on Peter? I believe that if it was one of you, you would be highly offended because no amount of restriction or opposition should lead to a man of God calling you Satan when we all know who Satan is but Jesus gave a reason why he could call a human being Satan he said you do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns and that means in the church of God there are two groups of people those that have merely human concerns. Jesus calls human concerns merely. And Jesus says that the first accusation for which he calls Peter, Satan, is that he has not retained in his mind the concerns of God. That is to say, if you are in church and you have not retained in your mind what we call the concerns of God, you are like Peter and Jesus will tell you in your face, get thee behind me, Satan. The word Satan is the Greek word Satanas. And it means an opposer. It means one that stands in the way of the purpose of another person. So in other words, what Jesus was telling Peter is that you are standing in the way of the mission, the reason why I came into this world. And that is the work of Satan. And Jesus, realizing that all of them could be thinking that way, turned to them in verses 34. And then he began to speak about the fact that they were following him but they did not have the right mindset so the bible said he began to address them he said whoever wants to follow me now let us draw the line on who a christian is and who a churchgoer is i've had enough of people who come around and do not have the concerns of God because the reason why I brought you together is not for you to have your own concerns and human concerns but for you to position yourself that I may download my concerns into your heart because my concerns are better than your concerns and as he began to speak to them in an apostolic voice he said anybody that wants to follow me 
There are three requirements that make for a Christian. Church going is not one of them. He said you must first deny yourself. And denying yourself means that you put others before you. He says secondly, you must carry your cross. And carrying your cross means that you are ready to embrace the shame that is associated with following Jesus. The cross is a symbol of shame. The cross is a symbol of reproach. The cross is a symbol of insult. I'm not talking about making a, a mistake in your relationship and suffering for it. That's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about shame, I'm not talking about stealing money in your company and then you being thrown to jail. That's not shame. I'm talking about going through shame because of the name of Jesus Christ. Being insulted because you are praying. Being hated because you are following Jesus. Jesus said the second requirement is that you must carry your cross. There are many people in church today who are not willing to carry the cross. They love the name of Jesus, but they hate the cross of Jesus. But can I shock you with something? There is no way you follow this man, Jesus, and not be hated and reproached by the world. Those that bear the cross bear the reproach of Christ. They bear the reproach of Christ. We are not bearing the name of Jesus so that we will be liked by the world. We know the world will never love us because the love of the Father is not in them. Thirdly, he said, follow me. The third requirement for being a Christian is that you must be able to follow Jesus. In John chapter 10 verses 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life he said, give it his life for the others. In Luke chapter 19 verses 10, Jesus said, for this cause came I into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. If you are truly following Jesus, you will be a soul winner. There is no way you are following Jesus and you don't have souls to your credit. You didn't follow the man. He said, follow me. That was the third instruction. And the Bible said that was bringing the sermon to a close. When you move to verses 36, he said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And I love the 38. He said, for what shall a man give in exchange? 37 for his soul. What Jesus was saying is that the most expensive commodity, priceless commodity in the universe is the soul of a man. If you gather all the oil wells in this world and gather all the gold mines in this world and accumulate all the dollar in this world and all the pounds telling in this world not to talk of the naira and the city and the yen when you put all together it cannot compare to the value of one soul value of one soul 
So as he was talking, he was saying that I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be despised. If you have not been despised yet, you are not following right. There is no way you will follow this Jesus and not be despised by the world. Unless you are blending in, you are here and there, you are not truly standing as a true Christian. He said, for the sake of the value of a soul, death would not mean anything. So when Peter was trying to stop him from dying, Peter was trying to say that the souls of men should perish. And that's why he said, you do not have the concerns of God, but you have merely the concerns of men. Many people in church do not have the concerns of God. They are in church because of what God can do for them. But they've never thought a day, what can I do for you, oh God? The fact that you have given me breath, the fact that you have given me life, what also can I do for you? I said through the scripture and I noticed that God is all sufficient. God is all sustaining. Throughout the scripture, God has not made any request on any man. It has always been God providing for man. But as I was reading the scripture and I came to this part, Jesus actually opened my eye that God has concerns and the headquarters of those concerns is supposed to be my mind and heart. When I wake up in the morning, before I think about myself, I'm supposed to be thinking about the concerns of God. That's why the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, it says seek first the kingdom of God. When we talk about first, we talk about order of priority and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. But we have turned it upside down. Many people are seeking things, not the concerns of God. And anytime people go to God, it is all all because of the things they are seeking. Not because they care about the agenda of God. Jesus revealed that if you are in church and the concerns of God mean nothing to you, your name is Satanas, Satan. Because it is only Satan that does not think about the kingdom of God. One day Jesus, God was in heaven and he said in the book of Isaiah, he said, who shall I send who shall go for us? The creator of the universe was longing, making a public statement because he knows that the hearts of men are not ready to sustain his burdens and his concerns. Jesus said, you only think about mere human concerns. It has never been in the structure of God that men would think about themselves first before they think about God, when Jesus was teaching the model prayer, he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven before he came to give us this day, our daily bread our daily bread 
until you have prayed for the kingdom of God to come until you have prayed that the will of God be done you have no right to think about what you eat no wonder in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 Jesus said don't think about what you will eat it's an error and an upside down principle to satisfy your need before you satisfy the need of God it means that you have downplayed the glory of God God deserves first attention not surplus attention first attention the concerns of God what are the concerns of God 2nd Peter chapter 3 verses 9 these are the concerns of God he says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance these are the concerns of God Matthew 28 18 to 20 then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of age this is the concern of God God does not spend dollar God does not spend naira God does not spend city there's only one problem that God has and the angels cannot solve this problem. The God that created you has made one demand from you. He said, go. And many people have decided to pay a deaf ear because they are only merely concerned about human concerns. I win soul, but if God give me husband before. I win souls, but I'm waiting for God to give me a job first. I win souls. Forgetting that the first group of people want souls, God actually took them from their vocation. The Bible said Jesus walked up to Peter, a fully employed man, and said to him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Bible said immediately, what did Peter know and what did Peter hear? He dropped his net and followed Jesus. The Bible said he went to the tax office and saw Matthew. And he said, follow me. And they did not ask questions nor engage God. They did not need a service. They did not need morale and encouragement. They understood that when God makes a demand from a man, man must not question the ability and the wisdom of God. When he says go, you must go. You must not question. That was the wisdom of God. The concerns of God. There was a man called David Livingstone. This man was born in Scotland. He lived his life in Europe seeing all the beautiful things in Europe. And at the age of 30, he had become a medical doctor. One day, he was sitting there and asking himself, what can I also do for the advancement of the kingdom of God, the concerns of God? 
as he was in Scotland, he said, Africa is called the dark continent. Shall I set sail and go to Africa? David Livingstone, as a medical doctor, refused to practice. He stepped into the jungles of Africa. The few months of his day, he was attacked by a lion. His left arm became inactive. But he pursued for 30 years. The medical doctor died of malaria and dysentery. Dealing with barbaric people in Africa because he understood that their souls were important to God. When David Livingstone died, they requested for his body in Abbeminster in London. And when they were about to transport his body, the Africans used a knife and they plucked out his heart and they said, you can have the body. They wrote a note. They said, his body belongs to London, but his heart belongs to Africa. There was a man called William Tyndale. William Tyndale lived in the UK and in England at the time the common man cannot have access to the Bible William Tyndale decided to translate the Bible into the common man language which is English it was against the law because King Henry VIII had instructed that anybody who attempted to translate the Bible would be killed he flew to Germany he met Martin Luther he transcribed the Bible into English language. He said the common man's soul must be saved and someone must pay the price. He translated the Bible and smuggled the Bible into England. He was arrested 17 months in prison. He was strangled and he was brought into the public square. He was put on a pole publicly and the king said, denounce your faith and I will allow you to go. He looked into the heavens and William Tyndale said, Oh God, open the eye of the king of England. And they torched him. He was flaming in fire. The Bible that you read and you open to your children came through the obedience of a man that died by fire. There are many stories of men who have obeyed the great commission and brought us here. What are you also doing? My time is up. You, what are you doing? This gospel came to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. It was sustained through the blood of the apostles. In our generation, for us to advance the kingdom, men must deny themselves. They must carry their cross. They must follow Jesus. And they must be the concerns you have are my clothes, my children's fees, my business. Jesus calls you Satanas. For we can't transcend into eternity with anything here. We are not going with anything here. Bible says our work shall be passed through fire. That Range Rover cannot stand the fires of heaven. That property in Isligon cannot stand the fires of heaven. The Bible said, 
Our works shall be laid before the man. What shall be those works? It is only a soul, the soul of a man that cannot be burned. Haven't you heard that in hell the fire burns and yet the people there are not burned? Why? Because those there are souls. The test of our obedience to God is in our ability to win souls for Him. Soul winning is not for pastors, apostles, teachers, prophets, and apostles. It was giving us a fundamental instruction to every Christian. Some have been in church for 10 years. They don't have one soul. Some have been in church for 20 years. They don't have one soul. We are not asking you to be touched like William Tyndale. We are not asking you to die of malaria like David Livingstone. Just saying, go out there and tell others about the love of Jesus Christ. Go out there and preach the gospel. Go out there and do the work of God. Is it too hard to obey Jesus? Is it too hard? Is it too hard? Is it too hard? The Lord called me. I was a businessman. I was doing well. I was living in community 19. I was doing well. He said, the people of your hometown are dying. They are going to hell. Who shall I send? Who shall I go? I looked at the cost. The cost means I have to put down my CEO garment. I have to put down my connections and the fame of this world. But I looked into eternity and I had the peak. And I saw the glories of the welcome of the Father. And the Father said, It is more glorious that a sinner will repent than for 99 righteous people to be gathered together. And I looked at these words and I said, He said, There is much rejoicing in the heavens. When one soul is one throughout the scripture, I have not been able to discover anything that can change the mood in heaven. The Bible did not say when a dead man is raised, there is much rejoicing. Heaven is silent. But the Bible says that when a sinner repents, heaven rejoices one sinner. The value of one sinner is far more than all that we are pursuing in this life. Would you not go for the master? Would you not obey the voice of the master? How many times ought we compel you towards the voice of the master? A man said, but I'm a CEO, I'm too big. Your office gives you even the ability to do it better. Somebody said, I don't have time. Matthew did not also have time. The question is not whether you want to give your money to the support of the work. We need your money to support the work. But Jesus also needs your life to support the work. You cannot hand your money and walk away and say others should do it. On the day of judgment, we all shall stand before the throne. 
And God shall deal with us one on one. Look at this beautiful church. Look at this anointed man of God. Look at such a great congregation. If all of you had ten souls to your credit that you take care of, you call, you shepherd, you encourage, would you not be fulfilling Matthew 6.33? If somebody is in church because of your effort, would you not have furnished the consents of God would you not have set a tone for the miraculous to become your lifestyle? He said, and all these things shall be added unto you. For the master is waiting for the one who will step out. He said, when you are going, don't carry a purse. Don't go with sandals. And the Bible said, they came rejoicing. And he said, why do you rejoice? And they said, when we went, the demons departed. excited about these things. Be excited that your name is written in the book of life. I ask myself, before then, where was their name? Child of God, you are not here only to celebrate the goodness of God. But you are here to be an obedient child of God. Don't struggle with God. Don't struggle with God. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be the reason why somebody is in church. I came as a clarion call to tell you. Jesus is coming soon. And he's coming for souls. For this cause he sent his only begotten son to come and die. It was because of the soul of the man. Everything happening is because of the soul. God is engaging the soul. What shall be your reward in heaven? What shall be your mark? Who shall point to you and say, I am the reason. He's the reason why I'm here. I know you need a car. I know you need a job. I know you need a miracle. But God also needs a man. Would you be the miracle of God in the heaven? Would you be God's miracle? Would you be the reason why God would testify and say, my son, You are here, you are saying, man of God. In the light of I've been concerned about mere human concerns. Today, I want to obey the Lord. If God does not give you a job, would you still serve him? If he does not give you that marriage, would you still love him? withholds a little bit like he did with Elizabeth and Zachariah would you still go to the temple and burn the incense you are here you are saying that God. from today I want to be a soul winner in my church there's nothing like evangelism department everybody is doing evangelism you say I want to be a soul winner I want to be trained I, I want to be empowered Wherever you are, just lift up your hands and I'll pray for you. You want to be a soul. You want to be part of those who are winning souls into the church. Please, if you
you have lifted your hand, please come forward. I want to pray for you. Just shortly. Lift up the song. Lift up the song. Don't cut the floor. Just come forward. Jesus, but to trust and Somebody invited you to the church. You are not born again. You want to give your life to Jesus. Let us pray. Say in the name of Jesus. I accept that I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sins. Help me to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God richly bless you.